Merry Christmas. Almost Christmas. Not quite yet. Hey, so I'm going to attempt to do something uh, different this morning. Like, I'm not dismissing any kids, in case you were wondering. Uh, We're going to... So, I started my uh, ministry days as a youth pastor. So, I preached to high schoolers and junior hires. Um, And that's much different than what we do here. Uh, But I have never... I don't think, my wife can correct me on this, but I don't think that I have ever taught to little kids, um, except for mine. So what I'm going to attempt to do this morning, I'm going to attempt to include the kids today. So I'm going to attempt to speak in such a way that uh, most of the kids can understand well, In, in, certain, in a certain amount of reason, obviously, age-wise. Um, so if it seems like I'm baby-talking you, that's why. Uh, I, I really want to include everybody. We've never done this before. We've had, we've had services where we um, didn't have kids' church, but we've never, uh, I've never attempted to do this before. So uh, first thing I want to say is, if your kid makes noise, it's okay. Like, don't feel the need to scold them. Like, I mean, obviously, if you need a parent, you need a parent. But um, we're going to be here for a little bit. Uh, I'm going to attempt to preach the shortest sermon I've ever preached. And rumor has it Matt Olson has a brisket on the barbecue. And if I go long, it's going to be ruined. So I'm supposed to eat that brisket, so I have motivation. So here we go. Um, if you're, if you're a kid in here, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're normally in, okay, if you're normally in kids' church, raise your hand. There you go. Most of the moms raise their hand. A few of the husbands. All right, so what we're going to do, guys, is we are going to talk about Christmas. And you guys have been in kids' church for the last couple weeks while we've been in here talking about Christmas. You've been in there talking about Christmas. We've been talking about uh, how Christmas is so much bigger than uh, just one day. It's so much bigger than just uh, one story. The whole Bible is the story of Christmas. So that's what we've been talking about in here, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about is a very, very specific word. It's called covenant. And it's a big, fancy Bible word for promise. And God makes lots of promises in the Bible. So extremely fast, like as fast as I can, we're going to go all the way through the Bible and look at God's promises and read some scriptures so that you guys can see and so that we can see uh, that God makes promises and that God keeps promises. So we're going to start in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. He kind of told the future about what was going to come. So in Jeremiah 31, he says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, a new promise, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my lot within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor 
and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So we're going to talk about Christmas through the language of God's promises. God makes lots of promises to his people throughout the Old Testament, but he makes three really big ones, really big covenants with his people. The first one that we're going to talk about is the covenant that God made with Abraham. There's this guy in the Old Testament who was living in this country with his family, and God came to him one day and said, I want you to get uh, your wife, and I want you to leave your country, leave your family, leave everything you knew, and I'm going to make you the father of a brand new nation, and through you I'm going to bless the entire world. In Genesis 12, it says this, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will dishonor him who dishonors you. And in all the families of the earth, you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God makes a promise to this guy named Abraham that, come with me, I'm going to show you this new land, and through you, I'm going to bless everyone in the whole world. Then something happens in Genesis chapter 15 that's really interesting. Uh, you guys know um, what a marriage is, right? So a man and a wife get married, and what do they do? They have a wedding, and they go through, sorry, come on, parents. You're supposed to be the adults here. Help me out. We were reading in 1 Corinthians last night with the kids, and it got a little awkward speaking of that. Anyhow, moving on. So when a, when a, when a man and a woman are going to get married, they have what's called a ceremony, right? They have a wedding. And so they come together with all their friends, all their family, and they make vows to God, and they have this special ceremony to get married. So here's what happened. God and Abraham have a ceremony to, to put this covenant in place. And here's, what, here's how they did their ceremonies uh, for in the Old Testament. This is really weird and kind of gross. Uh, you would kill uh, a bunch of different kinds of animals, and you would prop them up on rocks in certain ways, and you would dig a ditch in the middle so all the blood from these dead animals would run down into the ditch. And then the two people that were making the promise together would, would link arms, and they would walk through the blood. And the reason that they would walk through the blood together and the significance of this is that they are showing that these animals were killed, butchered, cut in half. And that was symbolizing this is what it's like to break a covenant. Something that's whole, this animal is one, it's now broken in two, and it's bloody and messy. And they would walk through here, and the symbol of that was that if anybody broke that promise, they would be doing that. They would be breaking something that's whole in half, and it would be very, very messy. And so it was a symbol uh, that, they, that lots of people did when they made covenants back then. So God and Abraham are going to do this, but what happens is that God makes Abraham fall asleep. God makes Abraham fall asleep, and then the Bible says that a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. So Abraham fell asleep, and God did the covenant walk, the promise walk, the ceremony by himself. 
And we're going to see why this is so important when we get uh, to the New Testament. So then Abraham did nothing to make this covenant. Who did everything to make the covenant? God did. God did everything to, to, to make this covenant with Abraham. Abraham didn't do anything to make it. So then Abraham has a son named Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob has 12, has 12 sons who then become the 12 tribes of Israel. And this nation grows, and God keeps his promise to the nation of Israel. But along the way, some things happen, and uh, God makes another covenant called what we now know as the Mosaic Covenant. It's a covenant with Moses, and you guys know this. Uh, you kids know this as the, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. God makes a, another covenant, a more specific covenant, with his people, with uh, the descendants of Abraham. But what happens? Most of you know the story of uh, the nation of Israel, the people of God. What, what do they do? Do they keep God's promises and the promises in the, the covenant that they made with God? Do they keep it? No, they don't. They break it over and over and over and over and over. So then the Bible says this in the book of Leviticus. Chapter 26. This is God speaking. It says, Yet for all of that, yet for all of that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them, neither will I abhor them. Abhor them means to like hate them or despise them, so as to destroy them or utterly break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. God says, Even though they broke their promise to me over and over, hundreds of times, I am the Lord their God, and I will not break my promise. But I will, for their sake, remember the covenant of their forefathers. Who are their forefathers? Abraham, and then Moses, and the people that he led out of Egypt into Israel. Those are their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God, for I am the Lord. So even though the people of God broke their promise, what does he say? I will keep mine. God makes promises and God keeps his promises. Then we have another covenant. Uh, later on in the nation of Israel, we have a king named David. You guys, most, most of you know the, the story of David and Goliath. Well, David became king over Israel and God made another promise to build up on the other promises. He made a promise to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He says this to David, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, he says, when, that's like when you die and are buried. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body. So your offspring, your descendants, I will raise up. And I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Forever is a long time. So we have these promises all throughout the Old Testament. And this promise, the promise made to King David is that, the, is that his kingdom would last forever. And then after David dies, Psalm chapter 89 says this, You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant that I will establish your offspring forever. I will build your throne for all generations. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. God's saying, I will keep my promise. I will establish his offspring forever and his throne as the days 
of the heavens. So we have three really, really big promises in the Old Testament made to who? To men, to God's chosen people. All right? Now, remember, remember the, the passage we read at the beginning in the book of Jeremiah, who was a prophet that w- would say things about the future? We're going to read that passage again. Okay, we, we just saw the three promises that God made to his people in the Old Testament. Now Jeremiah said this. This is after all those three promises were made. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, will I, when I will make a new covenant. He says, I will make a new promise with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That's his chosen people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the tribes of Israel, Moses, David. That's the house of Israel. That's his, cho- that's his chosen people. He will make a new covenant. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. My covenant that they what? That they broke. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. Remember, because he went through the ceremony with Abraham. Declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So Jeremiah wrote this and then what happened was a thousand years passed after Jeremiah wrote that. A thousand years had passed and a lot of people uh, that were in God's chosen people started to lose hope that this would ever happen. They thought God was never going to keep his promise. But does God keep his promises? Yes, God always keeps his promises. So then what, 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 what are we celebrating today and tomorrow? Christmas, right? So in the book of Luke, Jesus, uh, it says that Jesus came to show the mercy, in, in Luke chapter 1, it says Jesus came to show the mercy promised to our fathers. Who are, the, who are the fathers? The ones that the promises were made to, right? Abraham, Moses, David, they were, the promises were made to them. And Jesus came, it says, to show the mercy promised to the fathers and to remember his holy covenant, his promise, the oath that he swore to who? To Abraham, the oath that he swore to Abraham, Jesus is God keeping that promise. And then when the angel Gabriel came to Mary to tell her that she was going to give birth to a son who was going to be the promise made to Israel, what did he say? He said, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. So the promise that was made to David that his throne would last forever, the angel Gabriel saying to to Mary, your son will sit on the throne of David. And so Mary was one of God's chosen people. And so when the angel said that to her, she would remember the promise that God made to David way back when. Because the, 
the people of God read those promises to each other and they remembered those promises. So when the angel Gabriel said those words to her, she would know exactly what he was talking about. She would remember that God is now keeping his promise that he made a thousand years ago. God keeps his promises. Then, after the angel says these things to Mary, she starts singing a song. And in Luke chapter 1, she says this. She says, he has helped his servant Israel. This is God. God has helped his servant Israel in remembering of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to to his offspring forever. So she's saying, God said these things so long ago, made these promises, and now these promises are starting to come true. Because why? God always keeps his promises. Now, Jesus is born, right? That's why we celebrate Christmas, because Jesus is born. And then when he's older, there's some guys that don't like him, and he asks them a question. He says, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they knew the answer. What did they say? They said, the son of David. And then uh, when Jesus is healing some people in Matthew chapter 12, it says, all the people were astonished and they asked, could this be the son of David? Right? They're asking, could this be the one who who fulfills the promise that God made to David a thousand years ago? Could this be the one? And then in Matthew 21, when Jesus, uh, before Easter, you guys remember Palm Sunday? When you wave branches in, in kids' church, you make branches and stuff, and you say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Well, what happened on that day was Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem. It happened a week before he died. And here's what the people said when he was walking into, or as he was riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. They said, Hosanna to the son of David. Right? So they were recognizing all of a sudden that this is the promise of God. This man, Jesus, is the promise that God made to David a thousand years ago. And so they said, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And now we're going to go back to the gross uh, covenant. How they made the walk through the blood of the animals. Part of the significance of that was that the people were partly agreeing that if I break the covenant, I will become like these animals. What, did, what was Jesus born to do? He was born to die, right? So in the same way that God walked through the ceremony and didn't make Abraham do it, what did Jesus do? Jesus hung on the cross And didn't make us do it. Right? So in the same way that God did made the promise by himself, he kept the promise by himself. So Jesus was born and Jesus lived and Jesus died and Jesus came to life again to keep God's promise. And here's the amazing thing. There's a book later in the Bible called Hebrews. And it says this. It says, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. The eternal promise was paid for in blood, just like the first covenant was. Just like the first covenant that God made with Abraham was, was, was signed in blood. They walked through the blood. 
The new covenant, the eternal covenant, was paid for with Jesus' blood, not ours. We didn't have to. And it says it will equip you with everything good that you may do His will, working in us, you and me, that which is pleasing in the sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That means, what that means is that Jesus died for your sins. He kept the promise that you couldn't keep. He was good when you couldn't be good. And because he did that, now we are free to live and to seek him. And he actually says that he gives us strength and power to seek him and to please him that we couldn't have. So the lesson here in all of this is what? God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Always. And sometimes it doesn't feel like he's keeping his promises. Sometimes the things that we read in the Bible, it seems like this isn't true today. But if we think about the promise that was made to David, and a thousand years went by, but God kept his promise, didn't he? And he keeps his promises to us. So when we are opening presents tomorrow, when we are celebrating Jesus being born as a baby, baby, remember what that is a symbol of. That is a symbol of God keeping his promise to you and God keeping his promise to me, God keeping his promise to Israel, God keeping his promise to David, to Moses, to Abraham. God always keeps his promises. Always. So I want you guys to remember that tomorrow when you're celebrating Christmas. Can we do that? So here's what we're going to do. Okay, some of you older kids have done this before. Some of you younger kids haven't. And you're, you, I'll leave it up to your parents how they do this. We're going to sing some more songs, and we're going to take communion. We're going to come up here. We're going to break off a piece of bread, and we're going to dip it in the cup. And here's what it celebrates. It celebrates that God keeps his promises. And we do this to remember and to remind ourselves that God keeps his promises. Right before Jesus died, he had dinner with his disciples and he took some bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body. Now, is it really his body? No, it's bread. But it's a symbol of his body that was broken for us. Remember, he walked through the ceremony alone. And so we remember that he did that. And then he took uh, the, the cup of wine and he passed it around to them and said, this wine represents my blood that was poured out of my body, just like the, in the ceremony with Abraham when the animals were killed and their blood ran down into the ditch. He says, this is my blood. And whenever you drink this drink, remember what I did for you. So this morning, we're going to come up here. We're going to tear off a piece of the bread. We're going to dip it in the juice. And we're going to eat it. And we're going to say, thank you, Jesus, for keeping your promises. Thank you, thank you, thank you for keeping your promises. And that is what Christmas is about. Amen? Kids, can you say amen? Close enough.